I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome, welcome, dear listener, to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, Season 4. Five, episode one, the eleventh year of the Guitar Nerds podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello, Mr. Joe. Hello, Mr. Matt. Hello. Hello, eleven, dear listener. Welcome years. back. Eleven Eleven years. I don't think I've done many things for eleven years, Joe. <laughs> but um, you've done me. I mean, no, the podcast. I've, I've, I've done you in, <laughs> in the podcast. In the podcast. Um, eleven years. Wow. Twenty. Won't say the first. Yeah, that first gear of the year, all yeah. the way back then. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if we did one in the first year. Maybe we did, but twenty twenty thirteen was definitely when we started. Uh, yeah, yeah. Eating crisps exactly. in the back of a shop and people complaining about us eating food on. Yes, podcast. that's right. We used to get crisps and gins in a tin <clears throat> from um a little a little shop down the road from uh, Gak. Uh, those were the days. Look at us now. Yep. Just ask, <laughs> just ask long-time listener Mo Gravit because he will tell you what <laughs> yes. it was all like because he's been here since the beginning. But uh, yeah, we're back. Back for we, 2024. Our strongest yeah. year ever. It's going to be the strongest year. It was the strongest gear of the year ever. I really enjoyed gear of the year. I thought we had some strong contenders. In fact, dear listener, we're going to be talking a little bit about that on this week's episode. We're going to be taking a look back at gear of the year and our gear of the year choices that we made uh, alongside Blake Wyland from the Tone Mob and Philip Carter from the Forty Watt Podcast, we're also going to be having a we, we're going to be having a chat about the gear that we've bought. So new gear that we've bought <laughs> since the end of season four. Well, well, mainly me, Matt. You've been uh, <laughs> living out of boxes as you're moving. Obviously, dear yeah. listener, I should also mention that for the first time ever. Um, Guitar Nerds is now available in video format on YouTube. God knows why you would want to watch this. Watch, you know, just me and Matt talking for uh, for the next hour. But it's the thing to do, dear listener. All podcasts have to have video now, so Matt and I have. Uh, I've reluctantly joined the uh, joined that, and I uh, look terrible for the first one. I'm, I've sort of got a mixture in my house. Uh, listeners who aren't. Uh, who can't see, but it's freezing in the UK at the moment. I don't know about you, Joe, but it's about minus two where I am. Um, So I've cranked the heating up and now I'm a mixture of both hot and cold. So I'm all flushed, but I am wearing the guitar nerds pink (laughs) in spirit of the first effort episode. So uh, you are, you are, and you have just moved house, hence the very plain backdrop that uh, you're. uh... Yes. Well, we'll talk about a bit that a bit more in, uh, Upcoming, I think, Joe, because yes. we're going to talk a bit about 2024 and yes, what we're going to buy. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's uh, let's get into the podcast. This week's podcast, dear listener, is sponsored by String Joy Strings um, and Isotope and Native Instruments. Uh, it's also worth always giving a shout out to Lewitt Microphones, who provide the microphones that me and Matt mm. um, uh, yes. are podcasting with. And if you're watching also the mug that I'm drinking, a nice uh, <laughs> a- alcohol-free Erdinger from. It's very good, oh, the Erdinger. Nice. Are you doing a dry January at all, Matt? Or are you uh, uh, no, probably half-cut at the moment? I uh, just, you know, 
don't need to drink as much as you, Joe, so right. I don't need to take as many as extreme <laughs> actions. Uh, I, I have got some beers left over from Christmas, though. Uh, me and my brother-in-law did a bit of a beer swap. Uh, so I'm a big fan of sour, so he bought me lots of crazy sours. I had toxic waste-flavoured sour. That sounds uh, awful. Uh, it was great. Blueberry sour, which was like Ugh. completely blue, also very good. Um, but the strangest beer, which I haven't got around to drinking yet, uh, is a Thai green curry IPA. That sounds absolutely awful. <laughs> what, what is wrong with a nice British ale mat or a Belgian beer? Bit of, Tim, bit of Timmy T, bit of landlord. <laughs> Where's my Boddington's? Uh, Boddington's doesn't exist anymore, but you doesn't know. it? Oh, no, nope. shame. No, no. Come all on. the all the classics have gone. Um, for your American listeners, you can have a nice Sam Adams. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm not doing dry January, Joe. Okay, but I'm okay. not drinking right now, unlike right. you. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. This it's alcohol free. It's a booze oh, free Erdinger. Yeah, so that's fine. Booze free. Um, so yeah, so dear listener, we are going to crack into it. We're going to talk about looking back at gear of the year. We're going to be talking about the gear that we're going to be buying. This episode, of course, is called uh, Great Gear to Start the Year. So we're going to be talking about that. A question of the week this week that we'll get to either later on this podcast or maybe on the Patreon episode. You can find that, dear listener, <clears> on <throat> patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. Uh, the question comes from John By over on the Guitar Nerds Facebook group. He put in a question about gear predictions for 2024, and it's had a bunch of comments. So I kind of wanted to take a look at what you all think is going to be you know the gear of 2024 always difficult for me and matt to do gear predictions because <laughs> we can't break any embargoes and we know a lot of the stuff that's coming but we're do, gonna sort of loosely talk around it do i tell you what be interesting did we we should have maybe for next week joe we should have looked back at 20 our 2023 predictions for 2023 because i think we did a similar thing last year i think we do Um, it every year i I think we probably do it every year but it'd be interesting to see how far off the mark because we didn't get everything you know we don't know everything i wish i did no um but we can um, talk about what last year was we certainly will get into that and there's a bunch of news dear listener obviously there's been loads of stuff kemper finally joined the sort of the small profiler thing with their profiler player um, there's the new absolutely massive, ridiculously powerful FR FR speaker from Laney of all companies, the Gibson Mod Collection. Um, I've bought some stuff. I bought a Thorpey FX camouflage, which I love. Oh, so I really nice. want to talk about that. Um, and we'll probably listen to some sound samples from the Ashdown Saint Soap bass, which is a bass I had a lot to do with the production of, which is finally out and about. Um, and just another look at the Boss BP1 because I've been getting really into it i've been getting really into recording simply like not using a lot of plugins because i'm very plug-in crazy when i when i record stuff i was like what if i just have great di sound and then use like a little bit of reverb and things like that and using the boss bp1 as kind of an amp sim almost Mm. uh, i just got some great results so but we'll get to all of that stuff later my cat's just woken up she's going crazy out here (laughs) <laughs> um, so that, that that'd be a great addition ava come in here come and hang in here it's okay you can just hang out here she'll 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 work it out let's talk about some guitar stuff so let's take a look back at gear of the year the winners matt winners of gear of the year were we had the um the boss ir2 of course that was a big one that, that, yeah, that, that and, and a the... surprising one considering I think it launched two weeks before Gear of the Year uh, yeah. actually um, it's a problem actually that. started. It, it's always a problem because often I find on our Gear of the Year the things that win are the things we're most excited about at that point in time. Uh, so I do wonder how the test of time is going to affect the IR2. But yes. that said, on the Facebook group we had plenty of people uh, who were commenting saying that they'd picked up ir2s and they were really getting on with them yogi the guitarist posted a picture of his pedal board i think featuring an ir2 it definitely you've been saying this for a while and i've sort of been like no it's not it's not you know the amps aren't disappearing quite that much but it, it definitely looks like people are i feel like the ir2 has had a better reaction than the ir200 for boss even though the ir200 yeah has more. i think 
there's something to be said about the iconic look of a boss compact pedal <laughs> you know we've had many different shapes and styles over the over the years but i think there's something to be said about anything fitting inside of a compact shape you know as soon as you put something in there it's like oh my god that's another boss pedal boss that shape is iconic. That design is iconic. It's a great I, shape, isn't it? It's a great. It's a great looking, well, I mean, super robust pedal. The the um, you know mine and many other people's opinion the best that ever was and and will ever be. I I don't, I personally don't think you can beat it. I think it is the best best design ever. Right. Um, but I think IR two was great. But I think with a lot of things that we've done similar, it does a lot. And actually, mm-hmm. I think products that, you know, have done always done really well for us are like really simple, really easy to use. So IR200 is great if you want all of that stuff. But actually, IR2 packs all of that into a compact and then you're just like, well, so you can use it as an interface. You can use it on your pedal board. You can use it to practice. Yeah. And it's really cheap. And, you know, and it's not as cheap as like some of the crazy cheap, OEM stuff you can buy from Amazon, but it's cheaper than a Strymon Iridium or or similar. But I do think that Boss iconic shape has a lot to a lot to do with it. Yeah, um, I, think I think not it, having a digital display is is kind of actually an advantage. I think, and there's certainly you're mm. certainly not the only brand to do that. You know, there's plenty of the, the Walrus stuff doesn't have digital displays. Mm. No, you know, the, there's loads of companies offering uh, analog, you know, not analog, rotary controlled things, but I kind of think that's what bridges the gap between someone who's happy to use something like a quad cortex and someone who just wants some more original stuff, trustworthy yeah. stuff. The IR2 is in a pedal that's how many times is the is the foot switch tested on a boss oh, pedal? It's like a hundred thousand. I think I've yeah. got the book says a hundred thousand, you know, they're like like you say, you know it's gonna last. But perhaps you're right. I think there's a tactile thing to a compact pedal or something that's hands-on you know when dm101 came out where there was lots of discussions about you know should it have a screen or should it have you know x y or you know z and i was like well actually you know if you think back to something like the dl4 it was so good because it was so hands-on yeah and we were like that's what we want and i think you're right i think a screen can put people off a screen puts it in a in a box in a in a space with modelers and people who are comfortable with using that when actually a lot of guitar players um want something more simple more tactile more hands-on so again i think it's putting all of that in a compact suddenly it's like this is a cool product that i can buy um that's not a lot of money and it's made by boss and i know boss and i i trust them so yeah it's 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 been great, and actually, I, I think it's one of the best products we make today. I, I think right. that's um, good. That's good because on Gear of the Year, we can get swept up in the moment a little bit. So mm. I kind of, I'm pretty happy with this. I feel like we've awarded a <clears> great <throat> product that you know that it's it's genuinely a product that probably will stand the test of time. I um, think it will be a good, consistent seller for Boss. I think it will solve a lot of. You know, I was. Um, I was walking around town on Saturday and there was a band busking and the whole band were plugged into like one of those multi-input PA speakers. So it's got the power amp in it. It's got like four inputs on the back and it sounded pretty weak. And I'm like, it's because the guitar player was just going guitar into his pedals into this. Yeah. And I'm just like, if you just had something to like shape it and give it some character, you know, it would sound a million times better. And I was like, for 180 quid, you you can do that. So I think that's the that's the thing because, you know, Strymon's great. But again, that, they start to feel premium. They start to feel expensive. It starts to feel like a commitment to that option. Whereas I think the IR2 feels like I could have that and it's a great thing for the toolkit, but I don't necessarily need to have it all the time like you could have it on your pedal board and not necessarily ever really turn it on unless you needed to yeah you know so i think um yeah i think it's going to be one of our consistent 
you know good sellers it's a great pedal it sounds really good and it's got a lot of options as well you know even for you if you wanted to load and just use it as a cab sim you could load base irs into it and run a base preamp into it for example yeah if you really wanted to so there's a lot of a lot of options there yeah there's a lot of flexibility with it Mm. which is very good one thing i i was going to say actually one thing i haven't done you mentioned bp1 is run bp1 into ir2 but Mm. turn off the preamp stage and then just run the cabinet stage so you've got a really simple preamp basically gain and volume and then a cab so you're basically creating the ultimate simple amplifier yeah (laughs) level (laughs) level tone and then a speaker um so yeah maybe we'll have to give that a go yeah well the bp1 i love a lot um i was i I was messing around with the exotic super suite as well oh yeah um, recently um a pedal that you had for for a while i did have it for a bit I really like that pedal. What I love about that one is is that if you haven't seen it, dear listener, the Exotic Super Sweet is like a mini pedal, but it's really deep, and it just has a gain control on the front. And then on the side, you've got a number of dip switches, which allow you to decide what the... It's a boost, I should mention. Um, the uh, uh, On the side, it allows you to s- decide what you're boosting via a bunch of dip switches. So it can be a complete boost, a bass boost, a mid boost. Um, there are a few other options as well there i don't know like five or six different options maybe yeah on the side um and that's great because it allows you to kind of use it as a bit of a a real tone shaper depending on what sort of amplifier you're running it into like i found using it as a mid boost was great for bass actually just for getting a really sort of clangy 70s precision bass tone but anyway i sort of digress i was using that a lot and the bp1's the first thing that's come along and that's replaced that i think is just being a here's some clarity and basic rudimentary tone shaping and a really nice collapsible gain structure in a really Mm, simple pedal mm, mm. um, i think yeah i've messed around with a bunch of boosters and the BP one for me was also just the one that felt when you turned it on, it did just make, you know, going way back. If there's new listeners, you know, from 10 years ago when we were like, there's a class of pedal that is just make gooder. It just makes yeah. everything <laughs> more good. And what I, and I find to love, be, was it the TC uh, class Spark, A? No, Spark oh. Boost was always one, but the um, Pigtronics class A boost. Oh, that was it. The Pigtronics class A. But I think you know that the the thing with BP one is there isn't any pedals on the market that cover the RE two hundred one preamp and the CE one preamp, and so many people have used those in recordings in the studio uh, or you know live, and that is part of the chain. That's part of the signal chain. Yeah. Um, I just thought it made delays and reverb sound so much better, so much better. I actually ran it at the end of all my drives. And before all delays and reverbs, and just left it on all the time. And it just made such a huge difference. For me, if you were going to buy one pedal, if you were thinking, I'm going to buy something in January, uh, BP1. It's just wicked. One of the best pedals I've... I've, I've, One of the best pedals I've been a part of, but also one of the best boss pedals, in my opinion, I think. It's really, really good. I know I've just said that about two boss pedals, <laughs> but two they have been two really good boss pedals. Yeah, they they have. I uh, I just mm. had to I had to bring up the um, uh, the gear of the year twenty twenty three list because I was like, what one pedal? I couldn't remember. It was <laughs> goodness me, what a way to start a series with a little bit of uh, <laughs> a little bit of boss love. Yeah, the DM one hundred one won best pedal, but also the you know the Meris Mercury X came in second, and the Hologram Chroma console came in third, which is kind of interesting because when I look back on twenty twenty three, and someone said it on the Facebook group recently, twenty twenty three was kind of the year of the lo fi pedal. It feels mm. like a lot of people were bringing out lo-fi pedals, which they varied from being tape-like choruses to um, to really degraded delays. Thing, mm. obviously, Chase Bliss r- right at the front of that at the moment. It seems yeah, to be seemed to be a really big thing. If the year before that was the year of the rat, like we saw every single company making yeah. a version of a rat pedal, mm. I feel like twenty twenty three was the year of lo-fi tones mac demarco <laughs> tones yeah the, the year of everything sounding oh my guitar's falling over year of everything <laughs> sounding slightly rubbish 
Um, <laughs> no, it's actually, you know, I, I thought we didn't really talk about it. Um, didn't come in the top three, but, you know, the Chase Bliss lossy, they had some great stuff. You know, I thought it was great to see something of that digital age. But then the Chroma console, yeah, uh, you know, I the Chroma so. console, yeah. which is really designed after, you know, those sort of vintage um recording consoles and you've got all those effects in there as well i've not seen as many people shout about this as the hologram electronics microcosm right um but i I can't see this one ending up being reverb's top selling effects pedal for two years running yeah I, I, i just i don't i don't know i don't know you know there was again so much guitar so many guitar pedals launched last year you know it's and and that's from big companies to small companies uh i think i was reading on our friend uh stefan from guitar pedal x he basically puts a thing up for every single pedal launch from every company from tiny person in a shed to you know boss and i think he did something like 300 articles last year you know so you know you just think how many pedals are launched it is it is crazy it really is yeah yeah there's (laughs) There is, uh, there's more than enough. Amount, there's more than enough. But uh, there's certainly a few things that, yeah, I, I'm interested in. I see, see a few things I've seen already towards the tail end of last year. Um, but I think those three pedals will hold the test of time. The Meris ones are the ones that are interesting. I know Blake fought hard for the the Meris he, ones. I think maybe the ones that I've seen the less, the least of. I think. Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Isotope and Native Instruments, two companies who provide the bulk of the recording and editing tools used by Guitar Nerds. If you have a home studio or if you're thinking about getting into demo recording from home, then Isotope and Native Instruments provide the tools that you need to make premium quality recordings with ease and with virtually no equipment other than your guitar and laptop. Isotope make all the voice editing and audio repair tools that I use for the podcast each week and Native Instruments guitar rig 7 is one of the best, most comprehensive collections of virtual effects and guitar amplifiers available anywhere. Use discount code NERDS10 on any product in the Isotope and Native Instruments catalogue for 10% off their fantastic range of tools. I think it's that though, Matt. I, I kind of feel like... So my honest... I guess my honest cop on it, when I see things like the Mercury X come up, I find it hard to get excited about about all you can eat reverb or delay pedals mm. because it feels like that's been what has been on the menu for a long, long time since the big sky has been about. Mm. And I'm sort of at a point where I'm like, I mean, this is just a personal thing. I'm quite happy with a spring reverb. I definitely went through a thing where, where I was like, oh yeah, shimmer delays, octaving quadranautical delays mm. reverbs that's what i want but then when it comes back to it none of them are actually usable for music making they're, they're fine for making uh you know like a weird twin peak stream sequence but as soon as you need to apply it to anything actual well, what you probably need is a spring reverb so when a company launches a 500 pound reverb or delay effects pedal it just I doesn't think, it, um... it, 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 it's not the thing i want and that's i'm sure if i sat with this pedal I would love it very much. I just always have the benchmark with reverbs and delays of, and this comes back to another product that launched, will it be as good as the reverb and delay models that are on the Helix? Because they're incredible. And the HX1 gives you that option at a, a, a decent enough price. And the other question, of course, is will it be as good as a Space Echo? And I don't even mean the new one. It could be the RE20. You know, that was an incredible pedal. Um, and I've never found necessarily that I needed anything too mm. much more than that. Maybe the I, Empress tape echo that 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 was very good. I think um, pedals becoming that. I guess I've always had appeal to studio engineers and producers and and stuff like that. But I, I feel now as well, like Chase Bliss is specifically marketing. The pedal, you know, and they're doing a lot of videos where it's not even on a pedal board. It is people yeah. like doing vocals with it or recording a track with it. And I think that's that's the thing, isn't it? You've you've got to take those things outside the box and potentially use them in a different way. And there's just so much variety to to do that now. And you yeah. still get that, I think, 
why they tend to be more popular than plugins to do the same thing is because they're so much more hands-on. And again, yeah, that's absolutely if you're like rerouting audio or whatever, you want that kind of hands-on feeling, don't you, to to do that. So I think, yeah, that again, interesting a lot of interesting products in that sort of range of uh things last year. But ultimately Everyone can use an IR2, but not everyone can use a lossy, I guess, is the, uh, is the yeah. main thing. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's true. And, wow. uh, and then, I guess, um, over in guitars, uh, we saw the, 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 the one that fell a little flat, I guess, is the Silver Sky that we awarded third place um, because it was the dead spec Silver Sky, which, of course, was a bunch of money and incredibly limited edition. Um I thought it was the best version of that guitar. And so I don't mind it being in third place. Certainly it's not something that everyone's out racing. Well, no one has the option to go out and and get one, but in second and third place were the PRS DGT, uh, the SE DGT and the Harmony Jupiter thin line in first place. I've seen people posting about picking up Jupiter thin lines on, um, on the Guitar Nerds Facebook group. It is a great guitar. Like the thing about Harmony that we always come back to, you've got Juno sat next to you right there, is there is no other US company building guitars of that quality with that sort of feature spec at that sort of price. Um, whilst, as as we noted on the, on the podcast, whilst companies like Fender and PRS and Gibson, their prices go up and up and up to the point where, you know, we're looking at, 1500 pound epiphones and mexican fenders that start at like 750 pounds yeah yeah for a couple of hundred quid more harmony will do you a u.s made guitar with a mono case with a nitro finish with gorgeous pickups and you know it's uh they're just offering such incredible quality mm, I, I it's difficult isn't it because i i i keep looking at the silver sky and i'm like ah maybe i should yeah you know, own one of those, and I think it's great, and I and I do love the dead spec. And then I'm sort of going, was it the best thing? You know, was it really? But again, I think we always struggle as guitar nerds, despite being guitar nerds, more with guitars because we, me and you specifically, have very specific tastes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I I would agree with you in the sense that with harmony, you know, if you're ticking all the boxes, for me, they that they, they just work. Yeah, because you know, for all the reasons you listed, made in America, great price, great spec, interesting, cool sound. I mean, my my one is just so loud acoustically. I've just been playing it acoustically mainly. Right, and it's just so good. It just rings out, sustained for days. It's just brilliant. Um, and I would say that in the grand scheme of things, they are affordable. Obviously, fifteen hundred pounds to some, or a thousand pounds to some is obviously not affordable, but you know, compared to what else is out there, um, for the money, I think they're great. For the money, buck, what you're getting is better than almost any other company at mm-hmm. that price point. You know, it's yeah. it's they're they're really pushing the boundaries of what you can get. Yeah, I and of course, agree. PRS PRS there. You know, with two guitars in the top three this year, what is happening? Who'd have thought I'd have let it happen? But um, <laughs> certainly not a few years ago. But um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting because I don't know whether those dead spec guitars have actually sold out. Um, but I just googled it um, a few places on pre-order, and then uh, Guitar Guitar have come up with they're actually doing a sale price on the Silver Sky in Roxy Pink. Oh. Should be two five nine nine is seventeen nine nine. Wow, Joe, shall I sell some stuff and make that happen? That is that, a... is, that is an aggressive. There are actually we're going to talk. Maybe we'll talk about some deals that are going on. Oh, dear listener, I'm so sorry for anyone who's not UK based because, of course, whenever I talk about deals, I tend to talk about the deals that are fed to me on social media, which means they'll be in the UK. Mm. But um, that is very good. January has been very good. I've seen. You know, normally uh, I think. The deals are pretty piecemeal in the guitar world because I kind of feel like the price is really the price on new stuff a lot a lot mm, of the time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you, you don't often see really, really great deals. This year, I've been flabbergasted by them. The, the thing I have been – I actually have it in my cart um, 
at, <laughs> at, at GAC at the moment and have had for a little while. Um, the Squire Limited Edition Classic Vibe 60s Telecaster Thin Line Gold Anodized Plate Sonic Blue £259. That's, this is Classic Vibe spec, so you're getting yeah. a lacquered maple neck and board obviously the slimmer 60s profile which is annoying gorgeous anodized that angle plate that you get on a thin line it's a telecaster you can you know get some great custom pickups and put them in there and then this is the best guitar in the world it looks amazing 259 pounds down for 430 that is a that is an incredible deal yeah, that is. I think I was the one that emailed you about it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I was like, this seems like insanely cheap. I think it's like a hundred quid off, or yeah. well, something like yeah, that. More it? than that, it's nearly two hundred quid off. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. very good. They also do it in desert sand, which is way more my vibe, but it's slightly more money in desert sand. But I, I, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I keep thinking about it. But I don't know. I'm, yeah. uh, you know, this this year for me, Matt, is all about slimming down. I'm getting rid of almost all my jazz basses, most of my weird basses, a bunch of my guitars. I'm feeling very Fendery at the moment. You know, I'm I've got my, um, I've got my American. Oh, this is still plugged in. I've got my like American <laughs> vintage um, fifty-two reissue Telecaster that sits right next to me at my desk. It's got um, it's got a set of green pickups, the custom brand green pickups. Made me a set of like fifty-one style. They're right. they're even they're even relict, even lightly relict uh, pickups in there, and it just made it the best the best guitar in the world. I've got it set up with the original like fifty-one switching, so. You get bridge pickup, neck pickup with the tone rolled off, neck pickup with the tone rolled on. Um, so you don't ever have the option to play the two pickups together because why would you? That's pointless. So, uh, so yeah, so I've got that like sat next to me. And I feel like that's that's all I'm playing guitar-wise. And then right next to me on the other side, I just have my, uh, my 50s P bass in... Uh, that I've got refinished in a two-tone sunburst. It's just the fifties classic, and that is a good bass. I'm doing everything that right. Well, I actually, also, I also have my silver burst. This is a vintage. I have a silver burst P bass, and it's basically the same thing, um, but made by Vintage, not Fender. I just, those are the three things I have sat next to me, and I'm doing everything on them. And I'm feeling like all I really want is a couple of P basses and a Telecaster. You know, that's that's all I need. Mm. So. So I don't know. This year, big sell-offs and just things with gloss maple necks is what I want. <laughs> I I really want this uh, silver sky. <laughs> I'm just I'm just looking at it now. I'm like eight hundred pounds off. Uh, looks like they've got one left in stock. I'm like, wow. how can I make? How can I get seventeen seventeen nine nine? Have you heard uh, of this thing called a credit card? Oh, I have well, seven. if I hadn't have uh, if I hadn't have uh, bought a house and already got plenty of credit, uh, then maybe, okay. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Why don't you put it on your credit card, Joe, and I'll pay you back. I have uh, a few credit cards. This could work. <laughs> but you I'll wanted send you a bunch DG- of my gear. <laughs> you wanted oh, well, a yeah. DGT anyway. That was uh, that was what you were after. Ah, uh, oh, Joe, that was last year. Oh, I uh, see. Are, uh, you, you know. are you going off the DGT? Is it because the, the PRS SE DGT? It seemed like it got a lot of chatter on the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook. People seemed excited about it. A lot of people agreed with uh, whoever it was. Was it Philip or Blake who was talking about the weird, weird location of the um, the pickup selector? No, I. Do you know? I actually, st- I still think it's great guitar. I've seen, watched a lot of reviews after we did Gear of the Year as well, and a lot of different people talking about it. And I actually think for the money, I think it's it's bang on. Um, but then again, I also really highly rated the Silver Sky, so this is the ne- <laughs> the next option, and it's in pink. So you know, this could be, you know, this could be it, Joe. This right. could be it. You think you found found your thing? Uh, yeah, the maybe I'll just have to sell a bunch strat. of stuff. You've got enough strats, Matt. No, I've got. Oh yeah, I've got three but you know whatever whatever yeah well matt maybe you can help me i was thinking of completing my fender collection with a strat a nice 50s style strat i want gloss maple 
neck. I was thinking classic vibe, like black, white plate. You get the thicker neck. It's annoyingly nine and a half, but I can I can live with that as a radius. Uh, what do you think? What 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 might, what are I, good options for a Stratocaster? I don't want to spend loads. I don't mind spending more than a classic vibe, but um, I, you know, I specifically want something traditional in the, on the neck front. I, it has to be gloss. It can't be any of this satin mumbo jumbo that uh, that you like. Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Stringjoy Guitar Strings, the world's first true guitar string custom shop. The thing that I love most about Stringjoy is just their attention to detail, their dedication to making their strings the best in the world. And that's a, a labour-intensive task that they don't shy away from. Stringjoy are also innovative. They're always looking for new ways to make strings better. As guitar players, we've become so used to all the shortfalls of commercially available strings that we stopped even looking for them to be better, last longer, intonate well, easily. Stringjoy bring all of that to every pack of strings they make, and they're available almost as readily as any other generically made guitar string. Stringjoy strings are available at stringjoy.com and at 400 plus dealers across the globe. If your local store doesn't stock Stringjoy yet, ask them to. It has to be gloss. It has to be gloss maple, and it has to be. How fifty spec does it need? Well, it doesn't. Be? So, I, because this isn't like a Telecaster, I'm less fussy. Obviously, if I could get seven point two five, I would. But I also, if there was a nine and a half radius strat that did everything for, you know. 700 quid and a seven and a half inch radius 7.25 meant i had to spend 1800 i'd go with the nine and a half do you know what i mean mm. I, I you know i'd love a more traditional spec i'm i'm not necessarily i, I appreciate that fender like to isolate proper vintage spec to the upper echelons of their pricing because mm. you could buy on reverb mm-hmm. right now in brighton joe yeah. Uh there is a Fiesta Red Classic 50 Strat from 2013. Wow. Uh which has the uh glossed maple fingerboard. Lovely. Someone has also done the best modification in the world to it and put the David Gilmore EMG DG20 pickups in it. So you've got oh, the best wow. of both worlds. <laughs> it's got the uh, 50 spec uh with the Gilmore in it, you know. So right. that is a banger of a guitar wow that sounds you know, amazing it's it's interesting because i don't know a huge amount i can't remember a huge amount of what's out there now but there's a lot of these like kind of 50 strats from like 10 years ago like the mexican ones yeah. with the like pretty gloss neck on there for like yeah, yeah, yeah. somewhere between five and seven hundred feels like bad. a good shout to me i think that's a similar um kind of era to like the Baja stuff which was always really really solid um so i think that would be that could be quite a good shout because they definitely had the pretty heavily glossed maple neck i mean looking at one here uh but then again vintera vintera is good modern spec i could give jake ross a shout yeah yeah so deal. um 50s vintera uh, Strat, so they do it in a variety of colours. That could be a good chat if you want a modern one. So they do a Vintera 2 now, isn't it? I think that was yeah. like September last year. Uh, what are they? So it's 1,100 euros. Uh, £720. There's actually a Ooh. 15% off winter sale right now. Joe Branton. On Fender.com. On, on Fender.com on wow. the 50s Vintera spec. That is pretty good. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and you've got the soft V 7.25 radius oh. with the glossed maple. Um, Whoa, that is that is everything I want. I think you might have found my thing. And it's a new I never look new. This is the thing. I'm always trying to hawk uh, out a, some sort of super deal on uh, on on reverb or eBay. It's actually on uh, Fender.com are offering 30 percent off. Uh, Kickoff in twenty four twenty four in style, uh, up to thirty percent off guitars and basses. Wow! So uh, yeah, that's on there. That color only, right? What's the color? Which is fine. Uh, it is uh, surf green, uh, sea foam green. Yeah, uh, it's even worse. It's the worst um, color, man. 
I will only accept actual colours. Fiesta red, <laughs> black, white, sunburst. That's it. Oh, dear. Well, well yeah. I'll find something. I'll find something. I'll keep digging. But I'm insistent on never buying stupid surf colours from Fender until they learn to stop making all their guitars in those awful colours. Um, um, but they've got all the specs you want, Joe. Yes, so, I know. You I know, know. Just deal with it. Mm. Uh, they've <laughs> also got um, a decent chunk off the gold foil jazz bass. 15% off, Joe. Yeah. in the wonderful Sonic Blue. Yeah, yeah. So, that did look cool. That did look cool. I wasn't sure about the gold foil pickup on a jazz bass, to be honest. But, um, but, but yeah, that it does look very good. It does look very good. Anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for a strat over the next little while. Um, Matt Knight, we, I want to talk to you about the things that you want to buy this year for your studio, but I feel like considering where we are in the podcast, I'd like to talk about a couple of news articles first. Yeah, let's we'll, do that. We'll circle back to that. Um, so in the news this week, well, over the last few weeks, dear listener, we've had the Kemper uh, Profiler Player, their new sort of mini play, mini um profiling amp thank god finally we've got magnetone have released their m80 a compact amplifier magnetone really using the whole slash thing as a way to kind of launch some new amps and go here's some cool stuff which is great um we've had laney introduce the world's most powerful frfr gibson have got the mod collection earthquake released the blooms a base version of the plumes even though bassists were using the plumes already and loving it um, and we have the MXR Joshua, which is a very, very exciting um, ambient uh, echo. Um, Matt, you also added a couple of things. You wanted to talk about the Kernum Fuzz and the Soma Cosmos as well. Um, yeah, the, where do yeah we... the, Cos- the Cosmos isn't new, but very much in my I want to buy one this ah, year I type see. thing. Part of your 2024 wish list. Yes. Okay, so where do we start? Should we start at the top? Should we start with Kemper? Because I feel like this is a pretty cool thing um, to have happened. Or is it? Are they too late to the party, Matt? It's, um, you know, Kemper, I feel like, is still dominating this this top-end part of uh, amp modeling in that even though with things like the Tone Master Pro by Fender and, and you know, even Helix – introducing i guess more user-friendly interfaces kemper are definitely way back there their their interfaces are pretty rudimentary hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. pretty 80s the way you navigate around a camper but sound quality is still fantastic and they still are sort of dominating as this is the profiler that studios get you know this is the Mm. amp modeler that studios buy Mm. yeah i think you know kemper were really there kind of i wouldn't say first but they're kind of they were certainly the one that caught most people's attention and they were everywhere yeah and they still are everywhere and they haven't really had to do much and obviously they bought the bigger the camper profile ahead they had the power rack um and then obviously they bought out the bigger floorboard the bigger floorboard i don't really feel kind of made a massive 
impact because I think there were other things starting to come out and obviously the Helix yeah. was very dominant and obviously we've seen Quad Cortex really dominate that space. And then obviously we saw things like IR2 you know, and we've had things like Iridium and an amp on the floor and I guess they're kind of going, well, the big one didn't necessarily work. People love the head, but actually some people just want that but on a pedal board and that's really where the Kemper Profiler player is because it's all of those amp tones but it's in a guitar pedal i think this is a very very cool bit of kit however you know well i was going to say lack of controls but then we've just sort of talked about ir2 being very very tactile but this feels a little bit more stripped back and it's, yes. it's a lot more money you know mm. we're talking 700 euros 700 euros here so you've got an ios editor uh you can it is fully compatible with all of the kemper kemper profiler amp rigs but i think the idea is that you very much have the sounds and then you recall the sounds yeah it's got three foot switches on board which is handy you can but you know you've you've got your three main rigs and you can search through scenes and you can bank up and down however you bank up through buttons not through foot switches so less for on the fly really this is Mm. like you're going to have your three tones there but also this is designed for in the, in a similar way to not too far away from what the IR2 is which is for people with a pedal board and they mm. just want an amplifier but mm. they want it to be on their pedal board i worry about anything that has like you know this is an iOS editor i'm i don't mean to keep comparing it to the IR2 in fact i don't even have to i can compare it to the the HX stomp mm. Let's compare it to that i can do everything on the HX stomp there are things you can't do on the profiler player without the editor. Mm. And that's mm. a problem. That That is a problem. That is a um, problem because it, it – it, do you know what? It's the same thing as – we talked about it briefly last year and once the studio becomes more set up and I can talk about it a bit in a bit more detail – HX1 versus the H9. Like, I love the H9, but you are – basically limited to properly editing it with a phone and i think that's the reason i've never deep dive into it as much because i can't find a preset and twiddle some controls and it's all very cryptic and i think that's always a challenge i think that's always a challenge to be like oh you've got to use this to get this out of it you know um It's really cool for people who are very familiar with Kemper and want something that's a bit more on the fly. Um, I think it's definitely great. And I don't, I love Kemper. I think they make great sounding gear. I really like the look of the proper big profile ahead. I like that they haven't gone super modern tech. They've tried to keep something old school. You know, it's got that whole sort of Mm. vintage radio vibe to it. So I don't want to be negative about this product. I guess I just wish there was maybe a little bit more control on board. When other brands have managed to release their compact versions of this sort of product and Mm. give you more control than this, this still feels relatively large with relatively limited control. Yeah, I I think this one's a tricky one for me. Um, I think it's a great product. I think it's great that they've bought Kemper smaller. Would I use it? Probably not i even think the io is a little bit limited um because you know if you think about things like ir2's got an effects loop on it (laughs) so you can run other pedals with it whereas this is you kind of think well everything's got to be profiled yep um also it seems to run off an absolutely bonkers power supply oh really (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah it says here 9 to 12 volts, um, 24 watts center pin negative. So I don't think you can run it off like a normal PSA. Right. Which I always think, again, is like, you know, annoying um, (laughs) because it's something different that you have to have with you. Certainly if you're going to run it on a pedal board. Yeah. um, Yeah, I, I don't know. Probably not one for me. I feels like, again... 
there's a lack there's no screen but then you kind of going to have the screen most of the time because you're going to be editing or tweaking yeah um i think if you're just looking for a amp pedal board i think there's other options i think if you've already got the profiler this might be a good option for you um but then it's only got one xlr out which again is very bizarre you would have thought it would have had two xlr outs or two combi jacks yeah you know so you could have run line out or you know quarter inch or or xlr out um and in a world where everything now is moving to usb-c i think the inclusion of usb-a and don't you know, uh, boss have boss have got a lot here. Come you know, on. boss. I just come like just on. put USB C on it because then it'll be class. Because then it could be class compliant, and you could use it as an interface to record direct into. Everyone had. We all still yeah. have all the old USB connections. Anyway, I, I understand it. You, you, it's strange to you know not make something USB C. But I, I tell you, I tell you why I'm actually hot on this at the moment. I did. Uh, where is it? No idea where it's gone. I did a, uh, it's here. I did a video. I did a little video on Instagram, dear listener, on the new Snark Titanium, their rechargeable clip-on tuner. Just to say, hey, this is cool. It's you know, it's a clip-on tuner that you can recharge. Because I used to love those TC, um, the the what do they call their clip-ons? Uh, Polytune. Polytune, yeah. I used to clip. love the Polytune clip or Polytune mini. No, clip, yeah, it was clip, yeah. I used to love those, but I was forever changing the batteries. So I, I, I love I know, Matt, the boss have done a rechargeable clip-on tuner for ages. I didn't actually know that, but, uh, but this was really handy. <laughs> I did a little video being like, oh, yeah, this is great. And uh, people were commenting on it, not on not on, on my one, but when it got reshared by Dan Electro, who owned Snark, people being like, this doesn't have USB-C, so it's useless. Like, and there were a few negative comments about the fact that it wasn't USB-C. We've all still got the cables. It comes with the cable. Nah, I bend them all, mate. No, it comes with the cable, you know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This USB-C obsession is ridiculous. We've all got no, all the cables. I, I, we're going to have to agree to disagree there, Joe. Yeah, I think fair. USB-C is the future. Um I think it's because USB can handle data and charging much better and much more efficiently. Oh, um, so so the the thing that we're moving away from is more efficient than the thing we're moving towards. Oh, that sounds very Apple. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, but is it USB B? Because that is yes. the worst one. Yes, the worst it's, one. Because no one, one has that. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's useless. way more specific. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this one is actually like. In fact, I don't think it's. A, it's like the proper old school chunky, like your oh, dad's like printer one. Oh, yeah, yeah. printer. Wow. Yeah, wow. Um, That's old school. I like it though. It's a bit more robust. It's a bit more giggable. They but, call uh, it USB Ultra B. USB B. Right, BB. Which is a bit more annoying because not I even have to keep a, one of those aside because. You know, hands up. You know, boss have got some products that also have. Uh, but I think that that everything modern now, I think USB C makes more sense because certainly for this product, the reason I mentioned for this product, Joe, is because at that point you could probably make it a class compl- class compliant like audio driver, so you could then use it to record directly. Which I'm I don't think this is possible to use it as an in. It, oh, really? MIDI That's... capabilities for door USB audio capabilities play along indoor so you, but again I think there's there's something to be said about being able to do notes into your phone or iPad certainly where you've got iPad Pro now that allows you to run logic I don't know maybe that's very specific but that's just me. No, not at all. I think I think you're actually very right. You know, yeah, um, right. but yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see. I, I'd love to see this in situ. I'd like to be able to see people actually using this. I mean, well, they're saying ba- data backup via USB C stick that you or a USB stick that you would keep in your pocket. I'm like, no one's gonna do that. <laughs> no one's going to do that. No, no. we don't need. Look, you don't need a hard drive version. It needs to be in the cloud these days. Anyway, in the cloud, baby. Speaking of technology, let's. Uh, who'd have thought when we started this podcast in 2013 that we'd be spending 10 minutes talking about USB-Cs on a guitar podcast? But that's where we are. That's where we are. That's the guitar world now. That's where we are. And speaking of the guitar world now, Lainey, um, 
uh, Lenny have introduced the world's most powerful FRFR guitar cabinet, a 412 monster packing 2600 watts that they've designed with um, with Devin Townsend, of course. Um, who'd have thought a 412 would be being released in uh, in 2024? Actually, Ashdown are about to release a bunch of 412s, so yeah. <laughs> but, well, uh, this yeah. is a very interesting turn of events. Right. Because, you know, the world is moving. I think there is a... There's still a lot of valve amps out there. People love amps, you know. Uh, you know, we even talked about, um, you know, on Gear of the Year, the, the crazy expensive two rock and yeah. all of this stuff, right? But loads of guitarists have never plugged into an amp. Loads of guitarists are using plugins. Loads of people are buying Helix still, you know, Quad Cortex, Tone Master Pro. But you go to a gig and you're like, I'm going to run it straight into the PA into my in-ears and loads of people are doing that and the guitar player is happy but there are also loads of people that go i just want something on stage i was talking to someone today and they were like the only reason they run cabs on stage is so the people in the front row don't get blasted just by the drummer yeah (laughs) yeah there's something to be said for how a how a band sets up you can't have everything running through the pa so i think this is the thing i think a lot of people are going I was talking to a friend of mine, Andy, who plays in Palm Reader, and he uses Quad Cortex, and uh, he runs into an orange pedal baby, into an amp, because he's just like, I just want to, like, flap some trousers on stage, you know? And this is a great solution for people that are going into that digital world, but it's brilliant because the digital world has gone... Let's make things more powerful and smaller and more powerful and smaller and more compact and more compact. And then it's like, yeah, but now I want to hear myself on stage. So now they've come for the biggest possible thing. Well, yeah, this this is get. definitely the extreme, but this is what I want. Yeah, you know, I thought Fender did a good job with the FRFRs that they um, that they brought out that look like Fender amps. Before this, we only had like the headrush one and like a random one by someone like Laney, and they were like wedges, mm. and that's mm. not what we want. You we want, want look like amps. amps. We want the things that look like amps because they look great, and we can put them behind us, and we can hear them, and then the stage looks cool, and we can still hear the stuff. The thing is, I think it's more than just wanting to people in the front row to hear you or wanting to flap some trousers. More than that, it's the fact that um, I can't afford a dumbbell amp, but you know what? Tonex do some. The IK Multimedia Tonex is 450 quid and it does some cracking dumbbell models. Mm, I am perf- mm. I'm not saying that it's the same as a dumbbell, dear listen. I'm just saying I'm perfectly happy with their do- It is brilliant. I can't get that from a valve amp. I can't get that specific tone from it without spending a bucket load of money. It's reliable, it's tourable, uh, and it's, you know, super compact. Sounds great. Now I want to bring that to a stage. Well, an FRFR cab is exactly what I want. I don't want to run things through PA. That's mm. why I've stayed away from that sort of thing. I, I want more products like this. I don't need 2,600 watts necessarily, but <laughs> well, Devin Townsend. I, one of the uh, interesting things here is they've like, it's as loud as a jet engine because the jet engine is 140 decibels at takeoff. I'm like, yeah, they're not the first ones to do that. Marshall Mode 4. Yeah. Well, no, not Marshall Mode 4. The Line 6 HD147, which had a maximum uh, dB output of 147 decibels, uh, which basically would make you deaf if you turned it up to uh, to full volume. But I think the interesting thing here is that they've built this IR system into the back of it. Um, so you've got the ability to use uh, an IR for the cabinet, but send a different one to front of house. Right. And then you've got these oh. e- emulated XLR DI outputs. Uh-huh. So you can kind of remind me of the uh, Line 6 Dream Rig, you know, when you ran into the Pod HD 500. That was ahead of its time. The Variax into the pod, into the DT25, and it would change the valves in the DT25, and it would... You know, and I and it was so every patch had the optimal amp sound, and this is kind of the same thing. It's like every patch could have an optimal IR or whatever, and I think it just gives more options 
for live use. I yeah. don't think it would necessarily be more options for recording because you'd then be silent. You'd probably be hearing it through monitors. But I think for people out there, the Quad Cortex users, the Helix users, you know, it just allows you to have that power on stage and have something that is FRFR but can sound like different speakers. Um, but it's consistent. That, that You know, again, consistency's the key. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's interesting, certainly, uh, to come back round to that. It weighs 40, just shy of 43 kilos. Um, so in pounds, that's 95 pounds. <laughs> I mean, that is... <laughs> wow. That is heavy. Mm. That's heavier. Obviously, it's a 412, but, you know, uh, I wonder, Marshall, 4 by 12 19 how much does a 1960 marshall 1960a weigh joe no idea lighter or heavier than a 1960 it can't be more than 60 pounds 36 kilos so uh for context it weighs almost another half of what the uh a marshall 4 by 12 weighs like well um so it's i think it's very specific but I am sure that probably something like this is going to allow them to make a product like this now and then scale that down to a 212 and then probably a 112. Yeah. Uh, you know, this technology trickles down. So, at, you know, 1100 bucks or $1,800. It's not cheap. No. But it's very niche. But I'm hoping that mm. it's uh, paving the way for more of this sort of thing for more frfr more ways to bring digital amplification to people like me who still want an amp on stage that would and i tell you what i like joe the fact that it has a um downward facing led light strip at the top of the cab right beneath the grill that that basically illuminates the front of the cab very cool for the on-stage oh. look that is very cool that is uh, um, super cool yeah would well, love to try go. one Never. No, we could go I to Birmingham. We go to Laney. I do not want to ever turn one up to full. My hearing is far <laughs> too precious. Fair enough. Um, fair yeah, 139 decibels. I think that's probably just a result of the power they've put in it, rather than them actually trying to get an amp that's way too loud. Yeah, absolutely. Now we are we are coming towards the end of this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast, dear listener and Matt. Um, before we do round anything up, though, I did want to uh, have a little listen to um, this week's sound sample, the sound sample of the week. Like I said, I've been spending a lot of time this week with uh, with this. With the if you're watching, dear, if you're if you're listening, dear listener, it's the Boss BP1W. Um, the booster preamp and i've been using it more as kind of uh i've been using it with a very very clean ir as almost the amp entire putting a little bit of reverb afterwards and actually getting the entire sound out of it coupling that with the american vintage telecaster loaded up with green pickups 51 style bridge pickup mainly and i was actually using it with something the thing that i did want to mention was the new Ashdown roasted bases, which I got to be kind of a part of the design. These are the Saint Soap bases. I'm holding it up, dear listener, if you're listening. It's a dead simple offset style base that has a soap bar pickup bang in the middle, and then it has like a roasted maple neck and board. And they're sub 300 pounds. And I think they sound great. It's got that sort of Rick and Bakery meets precision bass sound from having the soap bar. And I just love that it's um, such a simple, aggressive, old school sounding bass. So I've used that with just the Ashdown Pro DI, which is the new kind of like Sans Amp style pedal, basically from Ashdown. Just that with a little bit of grit. And then just the Telecaster with the BP1. So it's stripped back, natural sounding gear but I thought it sounded great. Here's a little sound sample I've made using that stuff.
go. Dead simple. Just sounds great. I think that's going to be my thing for the year. Less plugins, more natural sounding stuff. BP1 is definitely the way to go for that, Joe. I would I say. I agree. I think it's a fantastic sounding product. Now, we are right at the end of the podcast. So, dear listener, we're going to be heading over to patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds where you can join Matt and I um, for a whole extra episode each week. This week, we're probably going to be continuing some of the news items we haven't spoken about. Um, things like the Gibson Mod Collection, the Earthquaker Blooms, the MXR Joshua. Um, and we're going to take a little look at the question of the week, which is John Buy's gear prediction post on facebook we'll have be having a little look at those um this of the the first episode in season five i haven't told any jokes because i felt towards the end i was scraping the barrel dear listener if you're joining (laughs) guitar nerds for the first time in season four i told a dad joke every week but they were getting bad but matt i do have one uh for you hit me joe so this fella goes to a uh goes to a funeral and he goes to the uh, steps up to the widow and he says, Do you mind if I say a word? And she says, oh, Please do. And he says, after clearing his throat, <clears throat> Bargain. Her eyes well up with tears. And she says, Thanks. That means a great deal. Joe. (laughs) Joe, this is why we stopped. No, it's brilliant. (laughs) Well, I thought thought it was pretty good. I thought that was pretty Uh, good. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I can't lie. Well, Um, to not not, uh, finish this podcast on such a downer, I'm going to thank all of our top-tier Patreon supporters. before we go so uh, thank you very much to nicholas strom rocket rob patterson phil sadler marcus deluxe suresh dorsonic pickups rob witherden chris franklin anton fryant barry gresbick steve davis john conaway russell hegan healing sorry yogi the guitarist ty allen kyle harris sean hughes andy hoffler eric hemmer jeffrey wax dan pilver brian einsler Dylan Griffiths, Mark Hizal Kadawaki, Eric File, Peter Pesce, Andy Manley, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Radomski, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dorr, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Loseth, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kytopia the Band, JD Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and of course, Moog Gravit. There you Ooh, go. I gave a lot of, uh, for anyone watching this, if you've made it this far, uh, there was a lot of reactions there from me right. in yeah. a uh, Apple Sonoma uh, update kind of way. Of course, yes. Yeah, whenever we make hand gestures now, unfortunately, in video format, things happen. Um, there you go exactly like that so thank you very much for joining us dear listener on this the first episode in the guitar nerds podcast we'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery farewell goodbye